1: Hey, what's going on No Bad Dog Army? This is going to be a podcast with my No Bad Dog membership live team. Uh, So if you guys don't know, the No Bad Dog membership is all of my stuff that you guys see on YouTube, all the full length stuff, the uncut is crammed into this as long as well as the community. And there's tons of perks anyway. I go live once a week and I answer everyone's questions specifically, and uh, that's what this is. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I was ill <laughs> for a couple days, so I didn't get to post, but we have a couple podcasts coming out this week, back to back to back for you guys, and we're also recording a video and audio podcast with Frank from uh, a raw food company. He's a military guy. I'm really a military dog handler, really excited to, to dig into dog stuff with him as well. And that's going to be out. So enjoy the podcast. You guys don't forget to all, everything that we talk about in here, all the links are going to be below, but don't forget to leave us a review in the iTunes and Spotify review chart. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Bed Dogs member live. So we're going to start off with uh, um, all the questions here. First one comes from, no idea how to say this name, Ch- Chate-a-l-er-y. Chate-a-l-er-y. <laughs> Uh It's actually not a question. Never mind, Melanie Stein. Hi, Tom. I have five dogs, and when people come over, it's mass chaos. They get very excited and jump on our guests. I have tried using the place command and have had some success, but as I soon as release them, they get super excited again, and it's back to square one. Can you give me some tips for working with them and being successful? A couple things, Melanie. Is we have I think four or five podcasts specifically on this. Uh, we go over this every single week, but we'll do it again. Um, it, there is no, I'll give you tips for sure, but there is no exact, this is how to do it. You have five dogs. So having a guest come in, I would always like, if we were talking live right now, it would be a, a pretty interesting conversation of what do you want your dog to do alternatively? So you have five dogs. That's one, two, three, four, five brains, heads, prey drive, excited, all in one place. And somebody comes into your house. If all of your dogs were to just lay there and look up, um, chances are you'd be freaked out and you'd have the same question on the other end of the spectrum of why your dogs act dead when people come over. So one of the things that I think is really helpful to people when we talk about their dogs getting overly stimulated, one of the questions we get about dogs playing with one another, uh, obviously this question of, hey, we have people come over, my dogs are excited. And really, it's what do you want your dogs to do? Well, I don't want them jumping, I don't want them spinning, I don't want them barking, I don't want them whining, I don't want them to to, to carry on to that person. Unless your obedience is at a, at a Yoda level, a level three, you are not going to be able to do any of those things. You have five dogs. To have five dogs, you have to have the most obedience that you can have in order to live a less chaotic life, period. Um, so if your dogs are breaking off of the places and they're still excited, you have to ask yourself again, what do you want them to do? So they go to their place. They're excited that these people are coming in. You say, okay, be a dog. And then they go up and they be a dog times five to that one person. So you just have to have realistic goals and really a look at, um, what you want them to do. And that's honestly, and, and I know that, um, I hope that it makes sense to you, but that's where a lot of dog owners, when I, when I kind of reflect that question back to them or my, I mirror that question back to them, they sit there and they think, and then they feel like, oh, duh. Like, yeah, it's not realistic for all five of my dogs to just slow motion. Hey, welcome to our home. How are things? Good to see you. That's not going to happen. It's going to be it's going to be an excited, stimulating time times five. So unless you have Yoda-level obedience, you're not going to be able to successfully accomplish the goals that you have because you have to, and I think uh, furthermore, if we had, um, and I don't know if the chat is going to be working on here or not, but if you have more context of what you want them to do versus what they're doing, and oftentimes people start writing out what they want their dogs to do and they stop themselves and they go, that's crazy. I could never do that. My dogs are not even close to that level. So again, um, that's really what it comes down to, Melanie, is if you have a dog and somebody comes over, that that dog entering basically their crate, your house is your dog's crate because they're animals. And so you, you have a house, it doesn't matter if you have a 5,000 square foot house, that's a very, very small area for an animal to be living in, right? So if 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 another human being walks into your dog's crate and you have to again okay what do you want your dog to do here do you want your dog to to be calm cool and collective do you want your dog to um you know, I'm just flipping my camera around here just to see uh, what's the best angle for you guys. But those are the types of things that you have to really ask yourself and really have to be realistic with yourself. Is if your dogs aren't level three obedience and and, and they don't have Yoda level stuff, then you're going to have a really hard time. So that's my that's my answer to you. Is um, as they're on their break, what I would do is just get a leash on the dogs that are the antagonizing kind of pushing boundaries dogs where they're kind of, um, firing up the other dogs. And that's what I would do in order for that to be, uh, successful just because they get super excited and it's back to square one. And I'm just rereading your question. It, I'm going to say it's impossible for you to have your dogs, not excited when people come in. Cause you have five so again, you have to look back on what you want your dogs to do, right? It's like if you have five kids and you're by yourself and you and they're all between the ages of four to seven and you you went to Disney World and you said, hey, my kids listen pretty good, but they, they still get excited every time we go to Disney. Yup, that's what's going to happen. So you just have to make sure that you're A, being realistic with what you want your dogs to do. to to be like, what you want them to behave like. And then B, you have to make sure that you have that level of obedience. And then C, if you don't have either of those things, what I would do is I would then put a leash on the dogs that are being a little too much or antagonizing or getting the other dogs revved up and then put them outside, put them in a crate, put them in the other room. Um, So those are the things. It's not a... Simple thing. But again, at the end of the day, reading this question is the place works good when people come over, thumbs up, great, but my dogs still get excited when I break them. That is never, ever, ever, ever times five going to go away. So you just have to, what is success for you? Can you give me some tips for working on them being successful? So um, Melanie's coming into the chat. I leash on ones that are antagonizing the others most great. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, you already know this. I mean, it's great to have five dogs. I mean, great to have five companions. It's great. To, even when I had three dogs, it was great. I mean, it was like a, it was great to have that pack, but it's a lot of work regardless of, and then you have five. So um, yeah, it's a great, great question. But again, I want you to really analyze like your goals and, and realistically what's going to happen. All right, Lisa, uh, think evening all. I have a 16-month-old, 50 kg conic corso. I'm assuming that's a big conic corso. <laughs> Fixations on strangers, dogs. Um, I'm working through Herm her- prong collar and vibrate collar plus weighted Vest I would think and an awesome with friends and horses, two non-reactive dogs. Um, it's home. It's home. I've put signs on no on the gate that says no entry, long driveway, friends can't pop in as ZB jumps up and I mean up at the person. No teeth but still excited. So I have so I have him in on place command outside in the summer and I lead him around for a few minutes to introduce this person. But I tell everyone, do not touch or look at him to pretend that he's not there. And I'm looking forward uh, to the winter nights and I'm drawing him in inside. And as it's difficult, as I live in a, as a cottage with an acre of land, Zebe or Zebby, good on place and boundaries. I also have his brother who is like a lap dog, happy to see anyone, chalk and cheesy. So yes, I'm a, I'm a little anxious with Zebby because no warnings, he lunges, not all the time would love a fresh take on what else I should do. I also brought my children up with manners. So I expect the same. Uh, well, Lisa, it's a little broken for me to understand exactly the question here. I think at the end it is, is clearer for me. It's like, what should you do if your dog is inconsistently or unconsistently uh, meeting people and then lunging and not lunging aggressively, but lunging up, um, for me this is a very simple concept is if we have a large dog that is randomly deciding to lunge. We just did this with a dog, uh, it's probably in the members club. I can't remember exactly what dog it is. Um it was a Rottweiler. Yes, it was a Ro- Okay, it, no, it's a Rottweiler in Canada which should be on the members club at some point. Um but same thing like you have to if your dog is doing first of all if your dog is doing inconsistent things, then you have a very in my opinion, you have a very binary scenario. We have a dog that may or may not jump up at somebody and scare the crap out of them may or may not. So you have, we're either going to let that happen or potentially happen by letting the dog go and meet that person. Or you're not there is because if the inconsistency is, 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 is there, then you can't do anything about it because it's not like my dog won't come back. My dog won't stop pulling on the leash. Your dog is standing there. Hi, how are you? Uh, patting his head, and then boom, lunges up at at their face and scares them. So in that situation, you have two options. You either let your dog go to that person, and then you correct your dog after the fact or try to time it at the right time, or you don't let your dog go up to that person. Um, I guess there's three options then. So letting your dog go to that person and then correcting them when they do it, and then not letting your dog – because it's inconsistent, right? So it's it's the same thing – it's the same exact thing that we talked about with um, this particular dog that we worked with in Canada, where the dog would get up and lunge. And then um, she just, her timing was way, way off. So you just have to make sure that you're correcting your dog with the off command when your dog does jump up. Um, so that's really what it comes down to is your dog just getting corrected at the right time. Cause I think that that's one of the biggest problems that uh, you're probably having is your dog is not getting the proper correction at the proper time, which is common. So that's what I would do Uh, because it's inconsistent and it's not aggressive, which means your dog isn't doing it maliciously. Your dog is just doing it for attention. Um, And it doesn't, it's, it's a flip of a coin, whether it's going to happen. So it's not like, oh, we're going to work on this. You can work on it, but you have to remember that the inconsistency is a kind of a fork here. So let your dog out. If your dog jumps up, correct your dog when they, when they do that. Um, Next question, Kim Kim Hermanson, good morning. My two-year-old Doberman is doing great with her training. I'm working on competitive obedience, and she does very well with healing, recalls, finishes, stays, place, etc. Off-leash, indoors, and in my yard. However, on walks, there's a squirrel, and she loses her mind screaming like a husky. Um, there's no way of getting her attentions. If she spots a squirrel, how do I deal with this? Well, I think first of all, it's, it's, it's natural and normal. So it's going to be the same thing that we talk about often here is just levels of obedience. So inside of your house, inside of your property is level one. As soon as you go outside, it's level two. So if your dog loses the obedience or your dog completely or mostly disengages with you and forgets what they've learned, that means that you're blending between level one and level two, which means inside on your property to outside with other dogs or other distractions such as squirrels is not done you're not there yet um, so that that's important for you to understand that there's the le- the reason why your dog isn't doing well because you're sitting there going and this is the same thing everyone has a hard time with all the time My dog listens good inside. My dog listens good in my yard. My dog listens good when there's nothing going on. My dog listens good when there's toys or when there's treats involved. But the moment that you put in reality or you copy and paste to more distracting things, that's when things go out the window. So you just have to do a better job at blending, which just means your dog probably isn't prepared to go outside. Um, I also say, I would also say, um, and it's the same thing off leash. So... um, but I would also just say as well that your development when you're working on these things um – she will lose her mind screaming like a husky and pulling like there's no tomorrow to get it. So if your dog is pulling you like there's no tomorrow, then you are not using your prong collar correctly. You are not using your heel correctly. So that's something that you'll have to work on. Uh, I have hundreds of videos on YouTube absolutely for free. And then, of course, in the members club, there's probably 40 hours of prong collar correction tutorials within all the context. Um, so just making sure that if your dog is pulling you on the prong, you are using the prong wrong. So you'd have to get back to square one on that. Um, I have a video on YouTube called Everything You Need to Know About the Prong Collar. Check that out. It's all put together for you there. Um, she wears a prong while walking for this reason, but the prong has no effect. So same thing. There's no way to get her attention. That's the same thing as the prong video. Um, I should work on obedience and this won't happen. She's entered for an August trial. So her obedience is quite well. And as I mentioned, it's just squirrels. I'm afraid she'll never get over this. She will never, no, 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 nope. You're right. Don't be afraid of reality, Kim. Don't be afraid of it. Your dog is not ever going to not care about squirrels. That's silly. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a mean way or anything like that. You're being too hard on yourself. Like you're thinking like, oh man, I really don't want my dog to care about squirrels. That's never going to happen. Ever. Your obedience can get better, but your dog caring about squirrels is always going to be there because your dog's a dog and they have a prey drive. So make sure that you're working on, your obedience just isn't good enough to be handling squirrels yet. And your timing of your corrections and your prong collar isn't good enough yet to be able to handle those distractions. That's it. Um, so. Um, so she, she is, next question on this is she's e-collar trained on a sport dog, uh, one through 10 settings, uh, two for recall, tried using that on walks and worked her up to an eight, didn't face her. It's like red zone with squirrels. She doesn't care about anything, but hope you had advice. So, um, should I be training in all commands and e-collar? Sure. You can. Um, but I think you just have to get back down to the realities of, uh, your training and your obedience with your dog, because I think, excuse me, I think that that's the hardest thing that you're dealing with here is just your obedience isn't good enough to be handling these things. And when you go out, you're disabling your prong collar. Um, so yep. I would get back down to square one. Kim, you have a lot of things to do and I don't want to overwhelm you with everything. First thing you need to do is start blending your obedience a little bit better when you get outside. Um, that's going to be really helpful for you. All right, next one comes from Harmony Family Dog Training. Uh, Hi, Tom. I trained my two male yellow labs with a local police expert on the Dog 200C. After learning more about your advanced off-leash conditioning, I am trying to figure out how to do the repeating nick with our current collar, such as the function built into the 280C. Um, I tried doing the constant and that worked. Okay, if the dog responded quickly enough to release the pressure. Evidently, the constant on 200C stops automatically after 12 seconds. I'm thinking I just hit the nick repeatedly. Um, yes, so that's what I would say. Um, the 200C and the 280C do not have the continuous nick and they don't have the boost, which would be really helpful uh, for you to be able to just level up your uh, levels as you go outside. It's basically when you're communicating with the dog and your volume is 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 at a dull roar like we're talking inside and then the moment you have to kind of like match your dog's intensity with the environment that they're in your um your unfortunate um disability with the 280C uh doesn't allow you to like go up with that jump as well as like the Tom Davis 280C so I would just recommend yes you can tap 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 Uh, on the, on the, on the Nick and make it a continuous Nick. Um, but I'm not sure what other units doctor has that has the continuous Nick. I just know mine does for sure. And then the continuous in general, um, and then the boost are all on mine as well. Um, so, um, you would just, or, uh, what you could do is you could just very simply use the continuous on your collar, let off after 12 seconds after you see your link, your lights stop blinking and then let it on. But the reality is, is you shouldn't be holding pressure on your dog for more than 12 seconds. That's why it has a default shut off is because there's something, something going on there. um, That, you know, just unfortunately you're, I I would just say that there's probably uh, a timing thing with your levels and and you just have to like work through that a little bit. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a, That's what I would recommend. Next one comes from Robin Parent. Hey, Tom, looking forward to watching my first live since I've been joining my reactive Beagle. Cross and I have been using your podcast and now the members club to help us and we've made huge strides this past year. I've gotten his obedience to an amazing point, which it turns to help which, which in turn helps his fear reactivity. He's barking and pretending to lunge, etc. However, even though he calms down within 30 seconds now, if we are walking down the street and he passes the dog, even with obedience, it's hit and miss. Uh, he still definitely starts to react. We're starting to slowly under control. My question is, is, do you think CBD or melatonin will curb the reactivity? No, uh, I don't think CBD or uh, melatonin of making your dog sleepy will curb the reactivity, no. Um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of disengagement that you'll have to work on. Uh, I've been really focusing on the inside outside and drawback recalls as far as that goes. Um, um, so if your question is, okay, the answer is no CBD and melatonin is not going to stop your dog reactivity. Good question, Robin. All right, uh, Kim Francis. Hey Tom, thanks for all you do for dogs all over the world. I love the newer videos where you break down what the dog is doing, the signs to watch for, and how to correct it. Have you thought about making a video of past videos i working with dogs? Yep, we've already done that. Uh, we did it with Leo, and it was a lot of fun to do, and uh, I think you guys liked it. So, yep, we did that, and that was that was helpful, I think, to you guys. Leo's the uh, Dutch Shepherd. No, it wasn't Leo. It was um, no, was it Leo? Yeah, I think his name is Leo. It was the Dutch Shepherd that um, battled me for a couple of days. Darlene. Hey, Tom. I hope this wasn't asked. However, <laughs> I've never heard it on a Q&A. Let's see. Never heard this. Let's see. Our two-year-old Doodle is trained on our invisible fence and does great with it. My question is, is using e collar Yeah, we've we've covered this, but we'll go over it. Uh, he knows when he feels the vibration. He's close to the line and needs to turn back. Any help? Um The e-collar won't confuse him because if you're using vibrate on the invisible fence, you're using stimulation on the remote collar. So it shouldn't have any um, transfers as long as you're using a good remote collar. So if you're using, uh, again, like my unit, because I'm mentioning my unit because I have it for a reason. Um, That's my go-to. That's why I I can able to tell you guys I know exactly what that unit's going to do. I know exactly how it feels. I know exactly what levels they are because there's so many different units out there. And over the years, I'm like, man, it would be good to have my own unit that I can refer to. And that's, so it just depends on what unit you get because there's a lot of units out there that uh, unfortunately have very mixed uh, levels and all that stuff. But um, yeah, the, if you're using the vibrate on the e-collar with the invisible fence, it's not gonna be the same as um, as the e-collar conditioning that you've been doing, so um, they should be two different stimulations for the dog. Um, so they shouldn't really transfer. Again, if you're using a good remote collar. Michaela. Hey, Tom. I exercise my two dogs every morning for a few hours before logging to work. They're both great on leash, but how do I achieve a contact-focused competitive heel with both of them? I always have my Dutchie on the right my Malamels on the left. Uh, I, can't, I can do this when they are separate but not... Uh, when they are together. So I would just be working on, I would put, I would work on your focused heel. Well, two things. You can put both of them at a focused heel on one side. Obviously one's going to have contact and the other one isn't. But what I would recommend, as long as they get along really well, is you can do a contact where the dog is touching you on the left and then your other dog is on your right. That's why it's so funny to, not funny. it's, it's, It's interesting to see the amount of people that teach their dog left uh like i taught lakota left because originally when i taught her left i wanted because i knew i would have other dogs in my life although i haven't had any other dogs in my life since her but i i i just thought in my head that when i had her on my left i my next dog would have been on my right so i would have been able to do that i would have said lakota left and then dog two right boom and then they both would have been in that contact heel So that's what I would do is I would just kind of restructure it that way. And then we have some questions that are here in the chat. Uh, And I appreciate you guys joining me today. Uh, Every week we do this. Like I said, um, I apologize for yesterday's reschedule. Thank God it was a 24-hour thing because it was pretty brutal. Um, But we're back. Christy Bell, what's the best way to teach? Drop it. I can normally trade my dog to get him to let something out. I can play fetch or tug with him. He's very food motivated, but will have zero interest if his mind is on the ball or tug. Uh, so instead of doing a treat for trade, do a ball for trade. And the other thing is, is uh, one big mistake that a lot of people make when they're working on leave it or drop is they immediately put the dog back into work or they ask the dog to do something. So drop. It. when you teach your dog drop or out or anything like that, you want immediately when they release something for fun things to happen again so if you if they have a ball in their mouth and you're and that's fun to them and they like that and you go hey drop it and they go okay fine and they spit it out and then you go okay now sit and now down and now stay and all this shit you're gonna have a really hard time with your dog dropping stuff in the future because they know that that means that good thing that they have in their mouth at that time they're going to have to do five minutes of obedience to get back, which isn't a bad thing. But when your dog hasn't developed the skill or the behavior yet, it's going to be really troublesome. It's the same thing that people, when they teach recall, the dog owners make this mistake all of the time. When they teach recall, They're only doing it to remove their dog from the funnest thing that they're doing. They're off leash at the park. They're out on a hike. They're in the backyard. They're in the front yard. They're playing. They're having fun with another dog. And you say, okay, come. Hey, Tom, my dog won't come to me. I would never come to you either if that was the case. Like, I know that we're leaving and I don't want to do this. So you just have to make sure when you're teaching out or any of these other things that you're doing it in a way that is fun. So you go out and then the job releases it. Boom, they get it right back. And you just keep doing that and you make it, your ratio of having the dog play or going to drive is much higher than the ratio of the dog not. Um, okay. Carol. Hey, Tom, when I take my dog in the car and driving every time he sees another dog, she barks and goes crazy. What's the best way? Um, you got to correct your dog for doing this. So, um, yep, that's it. That's all I got on that. You got to correct your dog for, for doing that barking. Grant. Ho Hobgood, what's your thoughts on getting more attention from a from a dog obsessed with only tennis balls and more f- and food? His obedience is good, but when in calm locations and states, I'm pretty sure he's addicted to the tennis ball and gives no attention if you're trying to use it as reward. I'd rather not use food always. Uh, what? He's obsessed with the ball, but you're only using food. Um he's obs- only with tennis balls and his food. His obedience is good when in calm locations, but it, I'm pretty sure he's addicted to the tennis ball and gives no attention if you're trying to use it as a reward. I'd rather use that than food. Um then I would take the food out of the equation. I I don't under I, Grant if you want to try to say this again, I'm having a hard time understanding what the question is. I apologize. It's probably me, but I just don't understand what you're saying here. Uh, Lillian, is there any alternatives to prong collars and e-collars? Yeah, there's plastic pinch collars. There's slip collars. There's martingale collars. There's head halties. There's harnesses. Um, have at it. There's tons of things out there. Um, McKenzie, any ideas on restarting crate training for a crate reactive dog? Um, previously was abused and locked in the crates and bathrooms for a long period of time. Um, I, what I would do is just open the crate up and feed him in there. So if you feed him twice a day or wh- however your feeding schedule is, leave that crate door open. Do not shut the crate door until he's comfortable with it. That could be a week. It could be two months. It could be six months. But if a dog was abused and neglected um, in a crate, it's trauma to them. And you can't. There's no, tr- there's no training. There's just... Going back through and desensitizing what this thing is. So if the dog was abused and left in a crate for six years, you you have to spend a couple of years desensitizing that back. Likely, so um, that's what I would do: is make the crate a very fun space for him, a comfortable space for him. Allow him the opportunity to go in there on his own terms without shutting the door. Uh, there's a lot of times where I tell my clients to take the door off. Don't don't even make it shuttable. Feed your dog in there. Um, tr- treat your dog in there do as much as you can to make that create a really uh, nice space for them. Uh, Christina, will you start a new channel for your family? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm not sure. Um, It's just a lot of work. So I have no idea. Uh, I'd like to add the ball as a reward as well, not just food. Uh, I'd like to get away from food. Yes, scared to overfeed an older dog. Um, Yeah, so again grant like i'd like to add the ball as a reward as well not just food so you can do that yeah yes you can do that i would do that um if there's anything else to that let me know but if you're asking if that's okay to do yes that's great um tom can you give me more about correcting my dog i'm driving i can't stop um so this is off leash training carol so um this comes up a lot when and this goes for any dog owner out there if you want off-leash work if you want off-leash control you yourself have to put in the off-leash work so um there would be no dog trainers in the world and you guys wouldn't be on this live right now if i just said oh matt abracadabra do this you this is an advanced piece of training that you're trying to incorporate to make your life less stressful and to make your dog's life less stressful or make it more convenient for you and your dog to go places in the car so if your dog is barking off leash, you have to audit and ask yourself, Carol, how much off leash training have you successfully done with your dog? If the answer if the answer is zero to little, then you cannot touch this, you can't work on this, you can't fix this, you can't overcome this. This is when you're there's a there's a significant difference between off leash training and on leash training for dogs. And anybody out there that's having any problems remotely with anything, you have to ask yourself, is your dog on leash or off leash? Because that is the difference between training wheels and not, right? That's the difference between bumpers when you're bowling and not. Do you have something there that can keep your dog in between lines? Do you have something there on your dog that can help correct at the right time to tell your dog what they can and can't do? Yes, that's what the leash does. Now, let's say, let's release that. Okay, what does your dog know off-leash? And that's important for you to understand, Carol, and anybody else that's dealing with any type of this type of work. This has absolutely zero double goose egg to do with your dog barking off-leash. This has to do with what is your off-leash training like, period, period. Your dog barking in the car is just an external problem that you're dealing with that is going to be overcome and helped and modified and fixed by all off-leash training. So that's like anything else that we talk about. It's not a quick little, oh, do this. And I know you're not expecting that. You're just looking for tips. But I don't want you to waste your time because your relationship with your dog once they're off-leash, I'm telling you guys, is entirely different. Than when your dog is tethered to you and you can give them communication at any time, the moment you go click and your dog goes away from you 20 feet, 10 feet, five feet, two feet, and you have no ability to hold them accountable, you have no ability to communicate with them, you have no ability to control them this is more of an off-leash thing than anything else. So I I could give you more information about how to correct your dog in the car, but you should really be focusing more on your off-leash work because me giving you a simple way to correct your dog when they're you have to be creative, Carol. I understand as you're driving, I kind of set you up for this because I knew that this was going to come in a good way, in a positive way, in a nurturing way. I want you to understand that I I understand that when you're driving, your dog is barking in the back seat, but you have to think, okay, how do I stop my dog from doing something when I, when I am not attached to them to the leash. But this one thing of barking in the car isn't the answer. It's learning how to communicate with your dog off leash. You have to do off leash training in order to get off leash results, period. And then that way, everything else that you do off leash will make more sense. So you should be focused on a more advanced off-leash training than anything else because likely the dog barking is you know, a handful of things, but you have to just, again, be mindful of like what's your control like off-leash? It's probably not good, and that's why your dog is getting away with these things. Focus more on your off-leash work, Carol, instead of trying to fix this one problem because if you focus on the off-leash, everything else will be better. Santos, is it appropriate to lure the puppy into a heel with a toy if she grabs it onto the toy as you do it? Um, Is it appropriate? Yes. But is it helpful? Probably not because it's taking away from the capturing of the dog in the position, right? So you just have to make sure that the dog is getting paid, just like with food training. The dog is getting paid after they've done the completion of the task or the behavior we're trying to teach. So if you have a dog that you're trying to get into a heel with a toy and you're like, hey, follow this around, but they grab it halfway through the follow and the lure and you basically just drag them into position, you're not gonna. that's not going to be sustainable and they're not going to learn from that. So you just have to make sure that the dog is getting that payment after the fact, not during the process. They're getting paid after they do it. It's a good question uh, Michaela, are you interested in getting another dog in the future? If yes, what breeds do you have in mind and why? It's a good question. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, yes, it's, you know, I've mentioned this before. I've had my whole life. I've had dogs. I've always had responsibilities with dogs my whole life. That's why I got into dogs. That's why I'm good with dogs. That's why I, you know, some people think about like whatever you guys do in life, rather you're a dentist, you're uh, an accountant, you're a doctor, you're whatever. Think about what you do in life. And you think like, okay, how long have you been doing this? And how when did you get into it? I've been communicating and and rolling around and playing with dogs my entire life. And I started taking it very seriously when I was in my teens as a professional. Um, My late teens, but still. Um, So my point is, is I've had dogs my whole life. I've never not had a dog ever in my life. I'm 34 years old. And I've never not had a dog that I'm responsible for. Uh, so not having more than one dog is a, is a change for me. Um, you know, and I think things happen for you, not to you. So when my other two dogs passed away, it's inevitable and it was sad, but Thompson was 12. Lolo was 18 And then we had our first son. And so everything kind of like leveled out as far as chaos and control and responsibilities. And so right now we're kind of enjoying the idea of having a working dog because I can give her to anybody and she's happy. You know, if I leave for a month, she could care less. She doesn't care at all as long as she's got a ball and somebody to throw it. Um, So that's really nice because I know our next dog will likely be a pet for my son Banks and my wife because Lakota just doesn't like doing dog stuff. You bring her for a walk, and she's like, "Yeah, whatever. Just bring me back so we can play." So, um, my friend Forrest Mickey has um has a Malinois line from his dog Elzer, um, who had recently passed away. But he's got like this French um, Malinois genetic line that he has frozen and everything, and it's a dog I'm really interested in. Uh, super tall gigantic Malinois just really fun to work with. I like that. Um, the reality is, is we'll probably end up adopting a dog and, or we'll get like a lab puppy. Um, so the next dog will likely be a family dog, a pet, not a working dog. Um, it'll probably be a lab or a dog that we get from the shelter or something. Um, and yeah, so that's the, that's something for, for people to think about is there is a significance in working dogs and pet dogs. So pet dogs will hang out with you on the couch. They'll let you go over and cuddle them. They'll let you kiss them. They'll let you hug them. They'll let you do anything you want. They want to be with you. They want to play with you, but they also can just hang out with you. Lakota is not like that she wants nothing to do with affection she wants nothing to do with being pet she wants nothing to do with laying down like every morning I used to when my when my pet my pet dogs were alive Lakota and, and Thompson in the morning I go down and I kiss their face and I just lay with them and it was just like this thing if the moment you put one knee on the ground and Lakota's laying down and sleeping she's right up and she's like, let's go, let's do it right now. I can't get her to do anything. So, and then same thing. Like if we brought her on vacation, she's, she's pissed. She's like, I don't want to be at this beach. I just, throw, just bring me back home. So she's been staying at, um, uh, my in-laws, Terrence Taylor's parents, cause they live right down the road and they have a huge fenced in backyard with two other dogs that she runs with. And so on days that we're super busy, we just bring her over there. And when we travel, she goes over there. And so anyway, um, yeah, that's what we're thinking. Uh, like I said, I'd like to get a pet for Banks to kind of grow up with, to have a dog to grow up with because Lakota just wants nothing to do with anybody unless they have a ball. And it's not. It's just she's a working dog. It's just how she is, and that's that's fine. Um, Ricardo, hey, Tom, you're the man. My cockapoo with ADHD. Rocket, he is a great and good with obedience. He likes to run and at the delivery man. He tries to nip him at my ankle, but then one minute later, he's cool with him. What do you think I can try? Nothing there's nothing you can try. Somebody comes into your property. Um, your dog runs up, checks their ID, tries to tag them a couple times, uh, your recall and your obedience should over overcome that. So don't do, don't let your dog go up and do that. Um, your dog's just picking on people because they, they can get away with it because you're not doing anything about it. So, you know, if, if like, if, if I go to my front door and the mailman or woman is there, and I just opened the, And this happened the other day. My dog just runs out because she just wants to go play. Um, and then I just said, nope, left. And I put her back inside. So your obedience should overcome that. So you shouldn't be worrying. And, and again, this goes for any dog owners out there. This is, this is a really big micros and macros. You shouldn't be same thing we we're talking about with Carol with the off leash work is you shouldn't be worrying about my dog nips somebody in the pants. And then one minute later, he's cool with him has zero to do with that. The reason why your dog is doing it is because your dog's taking advantage of you because you don't have that control. So somebody comes into your yard, Amazon, mailman, neighbor, your dog knows they can do whatever they want. That's why they're making bad decisions and you can't control it. So it's not what do you think I can try? It's about having control. You say, Okay, you want to make bad decisions and go nip somebody? Nope, come, stay. That's it. And if you and the same thing with Carol if you don't have that control, your dog shouldn't be in those situations, right? It's the same thing i was talking about with Carol with the off-leash barking. You can't complain about your dog doing something that you haven't trained for. It's not fair to you or your dog. So it's like saying like, oh man, my Chinese is terrible. How often do you practice Chinese? Uh, Never. Okay. (laughs) So just remember that. Uh, let's trade duchies for a month. My duchy is a totally pet. Um, yeah, yeah, she's not. So, uh, anyway, if 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 we have any more questions, I can take them. If not, I'll cut you guys loose. Um, couple things: we're coming to uh the London area in September which we're really excited about. We have just uh, announced tickets and we we took the working spots that we wanted to handpick and now reservations are open for everybody. So you guys can sign up for working spots and audit spots. If you're listening to this on the podcast, which we're going to post, the link is in the description. If you guys are on the members club right now, you can head over to uh, our website and find uh, the tickets. We uh, we would have sold out in less than four hours if we just left it open to the general public and anybody can sign up. Um, so we literally just like left things open uh, or we, we, we did an application process. So we didn't sell out. So some people that really needed to be there had an opportunity to do it. Now it's uh, open to the public. So anybody that wants to register, you can do that. Tickets sell out for my seminars every single time for working spots. Um, and right now they're open and whoever gets them, gets them. Mackenzie, do you have a favorite dog sport? Nope. Um, I don't do dog sports. Um, mainly because honestly, like I'm a non-traditional like dog guy. And I know that, that that sounds weird and it's not a bad thing if people do it, but I am so, I'm not in the dog business. I'm in the people business, my passion, my expertise, uh my skill sets is so heavy into behavior and modification and working with clients that i just don't have a ton of interest in doing sports because it doesn't it's just a totally different it doesn't mean anything to me it doesn't it i i don't i just don't have any uh i don't have any like i don't know i don't have any motivation to go out and do dog sports with my dogs because i'm just so infatuated with helping other people teach their dogs how to do things I don't really have that desire to go out to try to level up my own dog um but, but but I think there's a lot of people out there that do the opposite they're they're in dog sports they're doing bite work or or whatever and then they start getting into pet dog training because they can make a living off of it and I'm the exact opposite is I got into pet dog training because it kind of chose me and I got into it and that's what I like to do. So yeah, I'm very non-traditionalist when it comes to that. Um, It's fun to watch occasionally if it's there. Um, But yeah, I don't, I I don't like to get into anything unless I'm obsessed with it. And I have maybe three, maybe three things in my life that like, I'm just all in like uh, creating content for dog owners is That's it. That's the only thing running through my head. So yeah, I try not to like get into other things I'm not obsessed with because I don't want to half-ass anything. So, um, what else Australia we're working on? Um, we're putting details together really, really soon. So I haven't officially announced anything, but I'll do it here. Um, I'm coming to Australia in November of this year and Uh, I have no idea what to expect. Um, The game plan is for me and a friend to go there together. Um, I got approved for my visas, so I know I'm going to be there. I'm excited to come out there. Um, I have no idea what to expect, only because Australia seminar is completely different than any other place from what I understand. Um, I know I have a couple people that listen to my podcast or in the members club from Australia, so I hope to see a couple people out. Um, but regardless, it's a dream come true for me to go to Australia to, to do a seminar. So I'm really excited. Um, and everything will be announced and released as we go. Make sure it, members clubs, you guys are going to get first access to those tickets regardless. So if you're not in the members club, then you'll just wait for announcements on Instagram, email, and, uh, podcasting. But <laughs> the amount of people that are like, I can't believe I missed you. While you were here, I'm like, I've, I literally post my seminars almost every other day for six months before we go somewhere. So if you missed a seminar or you're going to miss a seminar, that's just because you maybe watch my stuff once or twice a year and you probably weren't going to go anyway. (laughs) Uh, Santos, do you have a plan for releasing courses for people planning to become dog trainers? Um... Yeah, we're working on a dog reactivity course that'll be done hopefully by the end of next month. Uh, we do a, I don't have a course for, uh, dog trainers, but we do a level up program where people come and they shadow me for four days. Um, and we have curriculum that we go through and all of that. Um, and that's something that we we offer. Um, but again, it's, it's something that's announced, on platforms and on email. I think the best way, if you're not up to date on listening to podcasts, you're not in the members club. And even if you're in the members club or listen to the podcast, you may not see the notification. Email is the best way to learn about anything that we do, because anytime that we announce a seminar, we announce tickets outside of the members club first goes to email as well. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'll link our direct link for emailing below. Um, if you guys want to, that we also have a text message server. We have so much, but yeah. So yeah, we have a dog reactivity course that uh, it's done. It's created. Um, we're just waiting for my team to put it together and, uh, it's going to be the best one yet for sure. Cause we're using a different program. We're using a different coders. Um, and it's my number one most frequently asked thing is dog reactivity. So it's going to be a good one. Um, okay. Any other questions while I'm on here? Um, we have a couple minutes left. If anybody has any questions, you can let me know. Um, besides feeding raw, do you have any additional supplements? Nope. Um, the raw food that I feed, I go on and off. I feed, we feed raw a lot. Um, but we, I also feed rawganics, which is a local company, which we're actually doing a podcast with this weekend. His name is Frank. He's in a uh, military working dog guy that created his own raw food company. And we're going to be talking about a lot. It's not available to outside of the area. So that's why I don't, I don't advertise for it, which is why when we feed raw came into the equation of delivered raw food, it's, I was like, okay, this is a no brainer for us. Um, but we, we, there's a lot of supplements in there. And, um, so I don't add anything else because most of my raw food comes complete. Um, let's see, Tommy Blackburn missed the majority of this live. Thanks for always posting. Hope you feel better. Appreciate all you do. Training a spicy German shepherd. Um, you've helped me so much. Thank you, Tommy. Um, yep. You can listen to this uh, back of the podcast. It'll be probably 204 episode. And then, um, yeah, this will be live for you guys as well uh, after the fact. Donna, I'm looking to open up a doggy daycare. Any suggestions or things to avoid? Mm, that's a good question. I um, mm, There's so much. Uh, I haven't been to my doggy daycare in probably three years because we have such a nice staff that runs it really nicely. Um, but, uh, I was doing doggy daycare myself personally for the first two years that we opened it every other day, I would be in there and, um, it's good, but, um, it's a tough thing to like, you have to be, able. I, I would just say, make sure that your dog to caretaker handler in the, in the play areas are limited. So we have 30 dogs on average per day with two people all the time and we do we do checks on we do behavioral assessments first so they meet a really neutral dog um yeah and just making sure you have protocols for you know dog fights making sure you have protocols for Dogs that have kennel cough, which is common and it happens, you know, just like any other sickness that kind of goes around through daycares and things like that. It happens. So make sure you have all your protocols for a sick dog, diarrhea, um, looking for heat exhaustion, training your staff and CPR and first aid, and just trying to build it slow. What I see a lot of people do is because they think like, Oh, I can charge $40 per dog And I live in an area that people will pay for this. That's 40 times 40 or 40 times 60, depending on what you want to do or more. And that means, oh, that's a lot of money per day. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but um, you just have to remember that these are people's kids. These are people's best friends. These are people's lives. It's not a money game. You have to, that's why we max out. We have the biggest outdoor daycare area in i don't i don't even know in a in in a huge thing and we are we have a wait list for our daycare and we have for years and because we're not interested in making i know that this sounds weird but we're not we're a dog training company our daycare is just it in the beginning it just helped us pay our bills because uh my dog training wasn't busy enough and now it's obviously changed and so Um, just make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and make sure that you're safe and make sure because that's you know we see doggy daycare shut down um, because you know there's there's just uh, terrible management we see we see we see dog lovers open up doggy daycares and they're not professionals so they're not they're, they're not in it for the right reasons they're not being realistic there's doggy daycares that don't believe in telling dogs, no, don't believe in anything. So they'll let the dogs hump each other. They'll let the dogs jump on them. It's a nightmare. So you just have to take it slow. Don't try to, you know, don't try to go too big too fast. But, um, you know, finding the right help has been the hardest thing with dog eat, with anything. Anything in my company, the hardest thing has been finding the right help. And that doesn't, that could be from marketing, To doggy daycare, to kennel staff, to anything—it's been the hardest thing. So make sure that when you find the right people, you treat them right, you pay them right, keep them. Um, You know, we're pretty good about that. Uh, We keep people for years and years and years um, on staff because we make it fair for them to work there, and we make we understand that it's you know, if you find somebody good that you can trust, they're invaluable to your company. So. yeah. Uh, any other questions, guys, before we head out? Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you go over to review our podcast in the Spotify and iTunes place. You can also leave me a question, and I can answer it next episode on the iTunes review chart. Um, but it's been lovely. It's been great. Uh, appreciate you guys. Got a lot of new content coming out from the Canadian seminars. It took us a long time to get it through because... Um, we had some issues with filming and not with my filmers, but somebody that we, um, yeah, we had to redo everything basically. So it's taking triple the amount of time to get out, but, uh, I'm happy to report that everything is in and we're getting ready to launch those videos. You guys are already seeing them in the members club. And remember with the members club guys, those, every single person in there, you know, paid a, a, a really good amount of money and you guys can watch their sessions for your membership rate times. Eight dogs sometimes depending on how much we put out so make sure you guys check those out Uh, appreciate you guys for supporting me it's not only one of those things like hey i'm in the members club to learn but you're also supporting us and you're also supporting the movement um you know this is a this is a low cost for the most part um i think it's a low cost for what you're getting but you're also supporting us so we appreciate everybody in here that's soaking up all the information and and in this community it means a lot but you're also supporting us um, as a, as a company to be able to continue to do what we do. So we thank you. We appreciate you. Um, if anybody has any suggestions or any comments to optimize or to make anything better, email us. Um, we, we want this to be the best platform that we can, um, for people to learn and grow and to feel like they're empowered to continue to be good dog owners. So thank you guys so much. And, um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye